enjoying no rest at all. Wicked. Welcome to Hand of Pop. Welcome one and all to episode 481 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello, welcome. And Dan. Hello. A much smaller recording team than we've had for a while. But um, the same chairs. Yes, but the same chairs as we had last week. Uh, because uh, what were Tony's chairs are now Dan's chairs. Yes. And Dan is not sitting in one of them. He's picked the comfy armchair. Yes, uh, the, uh, the host. It is a joke to... The house host chair, I should say, rather than the But these are much house. more comfortable than your old ones, Dan. No offence to your chair. And slightly skills. less broken, yes. yes. It is a joke for what has been happening to River, about the players injured and that the squad was so so small, because we are three now. And it, it wasn't intended as one, but you oh. can fill us in on that uh, in a few minutes' time. Um, this is also, having had... Up until last week, I've been really quite lucky, as summer recordings go. This week, we're right back to the traditional summer tradition, traditional tradition, of recording under about six feet of water. Mm. Or at least that's what it feels like. Because the famous Buenos Aires summer humidity has finally struck. Uh, For that reason, we have Dan's patio doors that are right next to where Dan is sitting, wide open. Hopefully, there's not too much noise. Hopefully, if there is, it's just, well, hopefully there isn't too much. Hopefully, it's just at a very low level. Just bear with us. Uh, closing the doors it gets a bit too sweaty for us. It's better compared, compared to the infernal heat we've had for most of this week, though. Indeed, it is. Yeah, it's uh, dropped a fair bit. It's going to drop a bit more over the weekend as well, I think. Oh, lovely. Um, anyway, we shall begin by reading you the scores from the last round, not weekend, because of as we mentioned last week, it was one of those weekends that went from Thursday to Tuesday. And we've now started another weekend that goes from Thursday to Tuesday. But last round of Copa de la Liga action was Independiente 1, Gimnasia 0, Independiente Rivadavia 2, Huracan 0. Uh, I got that first score wrong, sorry. Independiente 0, Gimnasia 1 is what I should have said. Tacheres 4, Rosario Central 1, Riestra 0, Barracas 1, River 5, Vélez 0. Platense 1, Central Córdoba 0, Newells 1, Belgrano 0, Godoy Cruz 1, Lanús 0, San Lorenzo 0, Unión 0, Tigre 0, Boca Juniors 2, Estudiantes 0, Racing 0, Banfield 0, Instituto 2. Lots of quite dull matches there. And then, somehow, Sarmiento 2, Defensa y Justicia 3. That was 2 0 to Sarmiento at half time. And Atletico Tucumán nil, Argentinos Juniors nil. There were a few Copa Argentina games yesterday, which we'll talk about in a little while. But one of the things that I'm sure uh, Andres will mention in a minute when I ask him about River is that River won their Copa Argentina match against Excursionistas de Belgrano 3 nil. I think it was in the end. Yes. Was that played in the end? Belgrano, uh, no. It I'm sure. looked. Where was it played? It looked like Colón. It, 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 in Colón, same. Yeah. Um, not that far away then, I guess. And the reason that I'm mentioning that at the top of the podcast rather than in the Copa Argentina specific section is there was a little bit of history made. Franco Mastantuono, who we've mentioned a couple of times already this year on the podcast, has broken Javier Saviola's record as the youngest player ever to score for a He was five months uh, away from the Maradona's record, which it was, I think is the yeah. youngest in... Youngest player ever, yeah. yeah. Mm. Did Maradona score yet? Did Aguero not manage to break Maradona's record for scoring? Obviously, he did for playing. But... No, not scoring, I, th- I think. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, having read all of those results out, there are, well, there are three, I guess, scores that jump out, aren't there? Because most of them are 1 0s and 2 0s and 0 0s. Uh, there is Tacheres 4 1 win over Rosario Central. Was that one being played when while we recorded last time? Uh... It wasn't the game we were watching, but it, it was because we had the Independiente game on, and we might have been just after. 
Um, was it that long ago? Jeez. Yeah. Rivera beating Belles 5-0, again, which I think was 4-0 at half-time, and, as I mentioned, Sarmiento being 2-0 up at half-time against Defensio Justicia at home, and then losing 3-2. Uh, where shall we begin? Which of those three matches shall we tackle first? As you like. And what are you talking about? <laughs> I shared this plan. It was on Saturday, like, not when we were recording. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I'm getting mixed up. I'm forgetting uh, which matches. We recorded going. last week we were on the well. last games of the previous round. Yes, while well, Boca versus yeah. Sarmiento was yes. on. That's yes. right. Yeah. I thought it was weird because I remember like, Boca drawing yes. at this round Boca won. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Quite in fact, I think yeah. that the, we ended recording when the match ended also, or similar. <laughs> it was 1-1. <one>, <laughs> It's very hard to keep track of all these games. They've yeah, really come thick and fast. Um, it's barely a day without football, which is good. Not so good considering a lot of the games have been fairly underwhelming. I'm just looking now to, to prepare for the next round. And uh, I don't know whether you've noticed this, but the last match of the Fecha that we are currently watching mm-hmm. is going to take place on the 12th of February at 7pm and the first match of the following round takes place on the 12th of February at 9pm. What? Oh my days. Instituto Tacheres, 12th of February, 7pm. That's the closing match of round four and the first match of round five is Newells versus Racing. Ten minutes more or less after that one ends, it'll be. Um, and that's the only game that day. Those are the only two games that day as well in, in football. the Copa Yeah, how to say thank you that, that there is no overlapping. I mean, yeah. that the, the five round starts. Well, we did get a different time. Yeah. All they need is a delay to kick off in Cordoba. We do get a day off on next Friday. Yes. There is no game. There are no games. Um, yeah, but then round. Six gives away straight for round seven. Oh no, that's no, just a postponed match from round seven for some. Then reason. we get a week off, uh, and then there's some time off. And then we there are a classical round is up. Indeed, there is. Uh, anyway, let's begin. Can anybody remember Tacheres beating Rosario Central four one? It happened as Dan just said on Saturday. Uh, no. There was one goal each from Ruben Bota. Juan Gabriel Rodriguez, Ramon Sosa, and Matias Catalan, and Maxi Lovera scored uh, at the time an equaliser, but it turned out to be not worth much for Central from the penalty spot. Um, All I'll say, you know, without having paid a huge amount of attention to that game, is that it's just very impressive. I guess what Tacheres have, have done at the start of the year, considering that over the course of 2023, where they also had a very good year, they lost all of kind of their real difference makers um, Michael Sandos um, now of course all of them have gone out of my head but you you know the, yeah. the guys I'm talking about uh, come on now Valeyes Valeyes you mean the other with Santos who played in Tacheres who they're like a couple of Columbians. Oh, Jesus. Oh, sorry. Buonanotte was central, wasn't he? Not Tacheres. Yeah, not Buonanotte at all. Yeah. Um, uh, the guy who danced for, for his goals and scored yes. a bunch of uh, Ramiro Garro. That was another one. Or Rodrigo Garro. Yes. And the other... Why am I blanking on his name this much? I've just gone back to a random fixture from <laughs> their Copa de la Liga last year to try and get the lineups. Uh, Diego Baloyes. Baloyes, that's the one, yeah. That yeah. was the name I was reaching grasping for and couldn't get it. Yeah, and, it was like a massive And Noel Bustos. And Noel Bustos, yes. But key, key players, even if I inexplicably blanked on their names. Mm. Um, but it seems like they managed to, to replace them pretty well. Um, I think very old fans of the pod will remember. Well, actually, Bustos is still there, I should say, but yeah. Um, yeah, Valoshi, Santos, and Angaro were yeah. very, very important, but really got the goals coming. Perhaps Herodis will, will score some goals. In fact, he scored in this Copa de la Liga. Mm. I no, I don't, not sure whether will be have the same goal, goal uh, scoring than, than Santos, but uh, uh, he could replace him. Yeah. What well, I was gonna say, yeah, very old fan, not age-wise, but long-term fans of the pod will remember. Former Tigre wonder kid Robin Bota. I was going to say, where, where did I um, 
was just coming up through the ranks of Tigre when we started, Mm. and then he moved to Inter, of course. Yeah. Uh, Around the same time that the great Ricky Alvarez made that very similar move. I think Ricky was like 2010, 2011, and Bota something like 2012. Um, Pretty speaks volumes. I can remember these moves from foot 12 years ago, but (laughs) if you ask me to name three transfers, probably from this summer. Now Pete's got the scrambling of it. I'm not sure whether it's the same time or similar than Colidio, but Colidio, I don't think he even played for, for Inter. Colidio was much, much later. Mm. Uh, that must yeah. be 2020, 2021. Yeah, it's only, what, 22, 23? Uh, Botta is 34. Yeah. And Facundo Colidio is... 22. 24. Yeah. 4th of January is his birthday. Um, so he is... Basically, well, he's not as old as the century, he's older than the century because the 1st of January 2001 was the first day of the current century. Uh, so, anyway, well done to Shady, so kind of tipped him mm. possibly to drop off, um, and they seem to be delighting in proving me wrong so far. Central. I'm sure they've got my yes, article yeah. up, pinned up on their dressing you think, room. Think you, board. you think in the 2023 performances, perhaps Central was more, I mean, surprising that they didn't, they, they, I mean, at least the goals, the difference. For one, it's for Tacheres. Even when Tacheres yeah. had been protagonist of the tournaments lately, but Tacheres, uh, Central was the the champion of the... Oh, the reigning champion, yeah. The, yeah, and of course, they. Uh, what I was going to say was that they've gone kind of the opposite way to Tacheres form-wise. They were like, also quite good last year. Mm-hmm. They've really fallen off. They've drawn their opening two, lost very heavily to Tacheres, which is the match that we're not... Well, not really talking about the match as such, are we? We're talking about the two teams. And are currently at half time drawing nil nil at home to Independiente Rivadavia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the two draws they opened the season with were Atletico Tucumán away and Banfield at home. So neither sort of not embarrassing results, but also could, when you look at Central's form last year, then the kind of matches that you'd have expected them to win, and they don't seem to have lost. I mean, Facundo Guadalupe, as I mentioned a minute ago, when I was getting a name out of the wrong team. Yeah, that was start of 2023, and um, then Alejo Venice was middle of 2023. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, been away for a year. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, they didn't lose him from last year in that case at all, did they? Um, but, you know, they brought in, well, Thomas O'Connor. They think how can pass also. jumps out. I think they'll, they'll turn it around, like, yeah. apart from that, to share this game, it's not like they've lost horribly, like, well, they haven't lost at all, apart from that, to share this game. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they just seem to find a, find a bit of spark in front of goals. Their rivals in Rosario Shine, you don't need a hell of a lot of goals to go right up to the top of the table in Argentina. You don't, no. New Orleans are second, um, but with four goals scored and none conceded, and have won three games out of three. Godoy Cruz, who are the team ahead of them. The two perfect teams, yes. Yeah, uh, are doing things very, very similarly. They've also not conceded any. They've just scored one goal more. Um, so that's in Group B. Yes. Credit to their coach, Daniel Oldra, a favourite at Godoy Cruz, yeah. who, after doing some digging, I found out he is back in Mendoza. This is his 13th spell as Godoy Cruz coach. Hey, coach. Wow, but yes. he usually uh, goes to no, goes there when interims, though, surely. when there's about a... half are interims. Right. But he's had like yes. six permanent appointments and then getting fired again. Wow, dating back to two thousand four. There's a fired coach and he goes there. Yes, still very very impressive. It is yeah. And this is gearing up to be his best yet, I guess. Yeah. Um, next up, River falling up at home uh, at half time to Belles, they got the fifth, 10 minutes into the second half. Uh, that fifth goal was the hat-trick goal for Miguel Angel Borja. There were also two goals in the first half from Facundo Colidio, who we've mentioned for the second time now on this podcast uh, today. Um, Andres, were you happy with the score as a river fan? Uh, at first I thought it was a mistake, <laughs> but... Uh, no, uh, it was the famous, the famous ganar, gustar y golear, the win, like, and, and score a lot of goals, mm. to say in English. Um, win, please, and fresh, would be ah, my translation. Okay. How do you like that sound? Um, win, please, and fresh. 
Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. No, because it's like so, you, you please someone else. That's yeah. the object, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We'll please and fresh. <laughs> um, and yes, it was. All, 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 all of River, all what, everything that River did was. Uh, had a good result and for Perez was catastrophic. catastrophic. Uh, they didn't defend even, they didn't mark, they were like looking for River players to score the goals and it was like they were statues. And uh, well, I thought that Borja, for in, in, in the other hand, will be like relaxed because he doesn't have any competitors right now, yeah. apart from Roberto, the young the kid. Uh, because Salomon Rondon has left has uh, left the club, but it was the opposite. He's like plugged in and, and scores everything that comes to to him. Yeah. Uh, the the paradox there is that River was like a rush of football. It was uh, uh, touches everywhere, playing the ball uh, with a lot of touches, and but most of the goals were, were from set pieces, which is. Uh, curious at least, mm. but yes, it was total total game for River. Um, in fact, it was. I think the second half was was. Uh, uh, it was if if it was it wouldn't have been played. It would, would have been okay because uh, that for nil. I mean, after the second goal, Belles knew that they would lose the game, and that was bad for them because they. It was like okay. Uh, I want to play the, the the next match. Yeah, yeah, they kind of lost interest in. They Borja has scored in every one of the matches River have played this year. Uh, he scored in the only friendly they played during January against Pachuca, the only goal of the game. He scored in the one-one draw that opens the Copa de la Liga against Argentinos. Scored in the two-nil win away to away in Lanús Stadium to Barracas. Scored this hat trick and has also scored and assisted a goal uh, since then in the Copa Argentina against Excursionistas. And against Vélez it was all of them with headers. Yes, of course it was, yeah, I didn't clock that. Uh, and his assist, of course, was for Mastantuono. Um, Mastantuono has hit the ground running in terms of his... I mean, we talked about him a couple of, month, uh, a couple of weeks ago, about how he was very clever in taking up spaces that are you know, away from the hurly-burly as a relatively young... The thing Sorry. is that we we are all talking about uh, we were all talking about the well, Echeverri, the the kid that has already been sold but mm. will play for River. Well, we were talking about him last year, and obviously he's not played for River yet because he's with the Real Olympico side. Um, but yeah, and the the room that the that Mastandino has now because Echeverri is in the Real Olympico and the twenty three national team, it was like uh, you could you could have thought. That he wasn't prepared enough because, well, uh, it's like for example Fonseca that after the first match, in which he was like with a lot of doubts, he after two more games made him be more like uh, like uh, not the owner of the midfield but like better prepared, more prepared yeah. for, for the tasks. I was going to stop a second down. I think we're going to have to close the window because that TV is. Yes. Enough. Uh, apologies for this one of Dan's neighbours has decided to put the TV on. And as you know, we do not cut unless it's absolutely so necessary. We're just going to close the doors. I think the one at the, at the far end of the flat there can stay open. That's much quieter. Um, yeah, so I mean, one thing that I noticed against Excursionistas, uh, at least the bits of the game that I watched, was that Mastantuono was playing a little bit more central rather than out on the right wing because it was kind of between, well not between, sorry, behind the, the two main strikers. Um, a lot of that's going to be because they're playing a lower league side, it's the Copa Argentina, yes. it's a bit less pressure, but it was interesting that as soon as uh, Denny Chavis got the opportunity and, and got a match in which he can have a look at him in that role, which is obviously where he's been yes. playing for the youth teams and everything, he, he decides to put him there and, and get Yes, out. because there was no, no... Barco wasn't playing and uh, against Vélez, Barco playing more centrally also. Uh, more like enganche, we will say, instead of play, playing by in the one of the sides, or well, left side. And that was good because he participated in mo almost all of the plays in which River was dangerous and doing it 
uh, in a very good way because Barco, uh, one thing I, I criticized about Barco was that he was one of the few players in the squad that he was going ahead asking for the ball all the time but deciding in a wrong way I mean yeah. finishing poorly poorly but against uh, Perez it was like everything he did was was okay mm. he passed the ball when he had to pass the ball he crossed uh, some, some crosses when it, he had to uh, and well everything and in the case of Mastantuno well uh, was uh, against the Cursionistas in the, the match in which he scored his first goal and the first player in the in first division for River to, to, to score uh, like you said uh, uh, youngest youngest yeah. uh, after uh, before it was Saviola and now it's, it's Mastantuno but for him, it was all the same. Excursionistas or, or the team was not relevant for him. And well, uh, great. Also, Roberto scored. I think that uh, yeah. after the yeah. all the absences made the, the kids uh, play and to be prepared because something is we all we hear all the time and which is true to be calm down to calm down to take uh, the, the players or make them play. Uh, like slowly and, and not to, to be in a rush and in this case Mostantuno and Roberto both are like uh, playing naturally and, and having yeah. fun yeah it's, it's interesting because watching them now obviously with uh, I guess they've kind of as you said they, they have the advantage of Echeverri being away with with the other 23s um, and therefore they've got this opportunity to stake their claim but it's a, it reminds me a little bit of when Boca sold Fernando Gago to Real Madrid and for like I mean I imagine it was longer here but you know following it a little bit from abroad at that point when I was really starting to follow Argentine football closely um, it was a little bit like it, it felt like two minutes or something where everybody was going well how are Boca going to replace Fernando Gago and then Boca are like that's fine we've got we've got this kid he's better and it's Emma Banega coming up yeah. and it's a bit like that like you know they've just sold Echeverri well okay how are they going to before he's even broken into the team they've sold him and how are they going to replace him and now suddenly you've got these two other kids coming in and being like oh well we can play a bit as well yeah the crazy thing is that in the for the under 17 uh, national team Echeverri was more like the star and Mastantuno Mastantuno came to the matches in the second half and now it's like of course, Machado is not there in the squad because of, of, of the prolifico, but uh, it's like, uh, well, yes, I will play. Yeah. 16 years old, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And if I was in Demi Chelius's place now, thinking, well, okay, Echeverri, you know, he's, he's here for a year still. Um, so it's not like he's leaving in six months or something. But if you're looking at who you're going to give game time to to help them develop, probably must have thrown or more because. You know, you've already sold that Echeverri, he's not going to be useful to you in 12 months. <laughs> but he will have a real problem there, because if Mastantuno continues like this, it will be, will be like uh, cruel for him to be in the bench. Yeah, well, it, when Echeverri comes, and Echeverri has... And the other problem is that uh, financial or economic, because uh, River will cash a bonus mm. if Echeverri plays, I know, a number of games for River. Oh, I see. City pay more, yes. pay a higher transfer fee if River if Echeverri plays a, a, a number of matches. Very sensible from City then, because yes. if, if I was in Danny Chambers' <laughs> yes. place, I was going to say they'd be taking delivery of a player who hasn't touched a football in twelve months' time. Yes, and not not obviously just because I hate Man City. To avoid, you definitely do it on purpose. From the practical, so, no, right, Echeverri, go and clean the dressing room. Because from the practical point of view, as a River manager, it just makes more sense to develop the players who are still going to be might still be with you in a year and a half's time. Let's say, yes, yeah, unless that far in advance. unless he really is a match winner in every exactly, single game. Yes. In which case, yeah. you will leave them. You will leave the club and the money will be the same okay mm. go to the bench yeah exactly yeah uh, so no if, if they've uh, staggered the payment like that then that does make sense because that ensures he's got to get some some proper game time just to completely change the subject yes. um but to return to a theme we were on last week uh teams playing outside of their habitual stadiums mm-hmm. um tonight we have a case of a team going out of their habitual province. That's not the Gigante de Arroxito, I've just noticed. Yeah. It is the Estadio Unico de San Nicolás, which is in Buenos Aires province. Why? Uh, 
they're doing something in uh, Gigante de la Rochita, apparently. Wow. So, my rhetorical question, because we're not going to find it out anytime soon, is how many times, first of all, how many times have Central played a home game outside yeah. of Santa Fe? Yeah. And how many times has that happened at all, not counting kind of Cava, Buenos Aires province? Can't be a huge amount. Uh, there was Argentinos playing an entire season in Mendoza. True. <laughs> yes. But apart from that, yeah, it's going to yeah. be low. I think that the yeah. first match of Well, Patronato played a few Copa Libertadores games in Santa Fe, famously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they played any local mm. league games in Santa Fe. So, yes. If anyone's listening and has a very, very weird specialisation in interior teams geographical dispersal of home games if Esteban let us Becker, know if Esteban Becker runs listening yes. get in touch yes send us a WhatsApp let us know he probably tweeted about it to be honest I'll check but watching from, from TV looks like the Gigante de Rojito it, you, you, it, not, it must be the central fa- flags oh. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is because when, when the no, camera goes not. over to the left-hand goal, it doesn't look at it's a gaping hole in the smaller stadium. Yeah. I think it's a nice stadium, man, San Nicolas. There was talk one of Racing's Copa Argentina games was going to be played there, and we all got geared up to go because it's it's what three hundred kilometers, no, 200, 220 kilometers away, mm. San Nicolas. Uh, and then they end up playing in Cordoba, and that was just yeah. a little bit too far to go and for a Copa Argentina last 32 game or whatever. On Sunday, it will be the first match ever for Riestra in third division, and it will be, it will be in their own stadium mm-hmm. oh, for, cool. for 3,000 people against River. Another curiosity, curiosity about this game is that Independiente Rivadavia have an Asian Cup last 16 player on the bench. I see. Have been mentioned before in, in I think they. Oh, because he's gone past the last 16 now, so he's come back. So he's come back. Ezekiel Ham. Ah, yes, I think we mentioned. Did we mention this one? I can't remember whether the microphone was switched on or not. Or whether we mentioned it before recording. I cannot it. remember. But yeah, go on, fill, fill us in. Um, is it. You might remember the name as belonging to the kid whose leg was. Almost amputated by Carlos Tevez back in 2015. Um, when he was playing for Argentina. When, when he was playing for Argentina. Yes. Just going through and looks pretty decent. Um, had a triple fracture in his right leg from that attack, which didn't even lead to a booking for Tevez, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, came back from that, uh, ruptured his cruciate ligaments. This time it wasn't Tevez's fault. Um, bounced around a bit. Uh, I think it was that our favourite club, the Library of Santa Marina for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up at Independiente Rivadavia, played a big part in their promotion campaign in 2023. Caught the eye of Hector Cooper, the well-travelled Argentine coach, uh, who called him up for Syria's um, Asian Cup preparations, I guess. I think he played a couple of games towards the end of 2023, was ever-present uh, at the Asian Cup itself, uh, man in the match, in the decisive game that got them through to the last 16 for the first time ever. Uh, and now he's back in Mendoza. So congratulations, Ezekiel. Um, maybe we'll see him for a bit later today. be interesting yeah. if he gets a bit of an ovation when Independiente Rivadavia come back to Mendoza for their next game, or will no one know. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, the reception if, when they visit Argentinos will be mm. interesting as well. I thought he'll be well received there. Yeah. Um, the other match from last last weekend, which took place on Tuesday night, um, as I mentioned that we need to talk about because it was the only other one that had an interesting number of goals, uh, was Sarmiento versus Defensivo Justicia. Did either of you see this? No. I watched the second half. Um, mm. It was 2 0 to Sarmiento when I switched on. As I've said, it was 3-2 to Defensivo Odisia by the time I switched off. Um, it is fair to say that on the basis of what I saw, Defensivo Odisia very much deserved um, the win. And on the basis of, of um, Sofa Score's kind of attack momentum graph that shows you mm. roughly how much attacking each of the two teams did per minute, 
it wasn't too dissimilar in the first half either, so I'm kind of at a loss to know how exactly Samir went into it up in the first place. I mean, I feel like if you have a team which includes 40-year-old Lisandro Lopez, 39-year-old Juan Ninzarralde, and 41-year-old Luis Garnier, and 38-year-old Pablo Perez, mm. second halves could be an issue. Indeed, they could. Uh, that is an old-ass team. They've also got a right winger called Joaquin. Well, I'm not quite sure how we pronounce that. G-H-O. Andres, any ideas? You're the Spanish speaker. Yes, um, you also have Chucky Ferreira and Marcelo Gachardo's son now went on the bench. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a fascinating team. It it's, really is. It's proper. And an Italian, apparently, Jose Mauri. Oh, I didn't know his, his nationality. Huh? Yes, I think Santis uh, told us that uh, he... Played for Milan. I don't know whether he played actually played, hmm. but he former Milan squad. Uh, you mentioned it, didn't you? Yeah. So just yeah. put a team together of like curiosities and yeah, and see if it will work. Yeah. Apparently not. From from the look of it, looking at the stats for each half, the first half was actually a little bit more even, um, but then in the second, basically Defensive Justicia scored from all three of their shots on target. Uh, uh, but well, not Defensive Justicia. Uh, Boca Juniors, as uh, one of you two mentioned in passing earlier, have recorded their first win of the season. They beat Tigre 2-0 after drawing their opening two matches. Uh, goals were scored by... Merendiel and Benedetto. Thank you. Uh, both in the first quarter of the match. Uh, they were 2 0 up after 23 minutes, and that was how it remained. Merendiel also got the assist, apparently, for Benedetto's ma- uh, goal. Um, I didn't watch it, but apparently Mauricio Benitez, the t- Boca's 20-year-old midfielder, had a very good game in what must be one of his first appearances, because mm-hmm. I haven't heard that name much before. The, yeah. the Boca has, a, has three or four kids in the bench, but uh, apparently still aren't having many, uh, much, a lot of minutes in the, in the, in the matches. Mm-hmm. And Salmino is one, Saralegui, I think Saralegui is uh, Habes, Habes. Habes, Saralegui. And Aran, Aran and Salmino. It's J A B E S. It's like James, but you replace the M with a B. B. Yeah, because why not? Mm. Welcome to South America. Um, also, you know, since Tony mentioned him before he left, and since you know Tony's no longer with us now, uh, <laughs> he's here in spirit and in chairs. Yeah, but you know, you, you know how we treat former members of this podcast. Absolutely, terribly. Um, I will just mention that Kevin Senon, because I, I, I kind of half watched the match. I, I, it was already 2 0 to Boca when I turned on, but I watched about three quarters of it and wasn't paying full attention. But whatever I did, Kevin Senon was doing a good enough job down the left. He seems to have slotted in quite nicely on that left wing um, for Boca. Yes, um, very good player, and I think he's going to do well. Yeah. Standings wise, uh, We've already given you the top of Group B, but I'll, I'll run down the, the tops of both groups. Uh, River and Instituto both have seven points, two wins and a draw each from three matches in Group A. And Tacheres are on six. And the other, um, the fourth place team, are actually currently in action. Independiente Rivadavia currently have six points from... In theory, four matches, but one of them is in red still because it's taking place. Because Rosario Central have taken a 1-0 lead against them. Um, Obviously, I'll give you the full-time scores of of this evening's matches at the end of the podcast. Gimnasia and Independiente are also both on six points. Argentinos, and if this current result holds, Rosario Central are on five. And in Group B, Godoy Cruz and Newellens, as we said earlier, have perfect records. Estudiantes have seven points. Defensa y Justicia have six Boca and Racing are fifth and sixth with five and four points each, and also on four points are Union and Platense. Um, just to round up the big five, San Lorenzo, 11th place in Group B on two points, and Independiente, fortunately Sandy isn't here to fill us with swear words, but oh, I mentioned them already, they're one of the teams in Group L, six points, they're at sixth. Um, so, yeah, for now. We're going to take a half-time break, refill our glasses, and when we come back, we will answer some listeners' questions and talk about anything we might have forgotten in this first half. Don't go away.
Welcome back. I will begin by mentioning that the air conditioning has been turned on. There might be a slight hum at the uh, back of the audio. Apologies for that, but it really is, as I might have mentioned before, quite warm and humid today. So, yeah, it's for our comfort. Uh, Dan. Yes. During the first half of that podcast, we did not ask you about racing. You did not? Nice. It's unusual. So, since it's a weekly feature, uh, what have you got to complain about this week? Not a huge amount of it. It's not much to complain about, not much to praise. It was a decent point, I guess, all around. So, way to Estudiantes, who've been pretty solid. Yeah, we, um, we said last week that it was going to be the sort of the first chance we got to have a look at when the Racing have really arrived. What, what does the real Racing look like, didn't we? And yeah. Test passed? I think so. Um, you could probably say for the first hour or so they might have shown Estudiantes a little bit too much respect um, just kind of let them control the game uh, get on get on top of racing once they opened up a bit um, made a lot of substitutions in, in the last half hour and they livened up the team a bit and, and put Estudiantes uh, under the thumb a bit um, and the last I think it was like seven or eight minutes in the end of of injury time after a late red card, a VAR check and all that nonsense. Uh, Racing really went with it and at the end we were a little bit unlucky not to get all of the points because Juan Quintero fired a free kick just wide of the post at the end. I think it was Adrian Martinez, the new striker who, who hit the bar right at the death. Uh, but at the same time, Estudiantes had two goals disallowed for correct, but very narrow offsides. So yeah, from what that I classic game where you say unbalance, the draw was probably was say, the uh, fair result. From, from from what I saw of it, I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched most of it. And yeah, unlucky not to get the point in the sense of being very very close to getting a winner in those last couple of minutes. But also, it yeah. Yeah. Not 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 unlucky to not win the match. Looking at the match as a whole, yeah. I think. That, yeah. But then, if Estudiantes had ended up losing it, it would have been completely deserved just by the stupidity of Zaid Romero's record. Like mm. he had no reason to just dive in two footed the way he did, and and he did. Um, I can't I, I can't believe it took so long to to check. To be honest, uh, it was a clear record. But. Yeah. Um, the only other oh no I was going to say the only other red card came in San Lorenzo's nil-nil draw with Union but that's not true because Independiente had somebody sent off in their one-nil defeat at home to Gimnasia um, how is the rate of the red cards because I remember last year very low very low yeah was higher right we had three in the first round for Instituto Gimnasia and Huracan one in round two for Belgrano uh, and then three in the round that we're talking about right now uh, so there have been red cards so far for Instituto, Gimnasia, Huracan, Belgrano, Independiente, San Lorenzo and Estudiantes. So nobody's got more than one red card. Just looking at it, I noticed that San Lo- Belgrano's um, red card was against San Lorenzo, which means that there have been two San Lorenzo matches with red cards in them. Um, and Gimnasia... Also two Gimnasia matches, because Gimnasia have had a man sent off and they've had an Independiente man sent off against them. Uh, but apart from that, uh, yeah, much, much, much fewer. Th- well remembered, because I've forgotten about that. There was that, <laughs> that was last year's Copa de la Liga, wasn't it? Or was it this time last year? In the, that in the was uh, Liga, there were lots of Liga Profesional. It was in the Liga Profesional. So we talked ago. about it all year, yeah. There yeah. were a lot of work red cards. Um, everybody's calmed down a bit since then. It's probably because we haven't had as hot a summer. Very good. So this weekend there will be loads of oh. Won't be able to move for them. <laughs> um, how are things looking for Argentina in the Preolimpico, gentlemen? Tricky. Very tricky. Um, they're I in the final four, as we They're in the final week. four, yes. That's, that's currently going on now, right? Yes. And they have opened their campaign with two high-scoring, very entertaining draws. Um, they got pipped right at the, uh, deprived I guess right at the death in the first match um, and speaking of red cards this is where they all are yes absolutely 
Um, they were leading Venezuela 2-1 up until the 99th minute, I believe it was, until Kevin Kelsey came off the bench and scored a decisive um, equalising penalty. Um, and then tonight, they did a Venezuela. Uh, they looked out of it. Um, they were drew, They were trailing Paraguay 2-1, going into the final 10 minutes. Thiago Almada got them back level with a penalty. Then some more horrendous defending. Let Paraguay go 3-2 up, right on the 90th minute. And there was just time for another twist courtesy of Federico Redondo, who just got the ball over the line any way he could, really, hmm. uh, with a bit of a scramble um, to mark Argentina's second three-all draw in three matches. Oh, yeah. Their last three matches have yielded... Eight goals. 16 goals. Eight goals for eight against. Yes. So they've been entertaining. Um Frustrating because the feeling has been in all of those matches that just working a you know working a bit more efficiently and not first of all not having your best goal scorer on the bench for seventy five minutes of every game. Hmm. Um, and crazy they thing should be I'm in driver now. Crazy but. thing is that uh, apart from Gondu, there were Castro I think that uh, scored one only. Then it was all, all of all from the midfielders, especially Almada, I think. Hmm. I think Solari played pretty much and as an attacker today. So yes, that Solari scored yeah. one also. also but yes, yeah, lots of goals from midfield and not much of what you could call defending, to be honest. So I noticed when I arrived that while I was on my extended journey over here, because mm. there have been delays on the sub day all day because of the flooding earlier. Um, that there had been a discussion on our WhatsApp group about how Argentina can qualify or fail to do so, mm. uh, given that they've got one match left and it's against Brazil. At present, everyone... Oh, no, that's not quite true. You, you present, Paraguay and Argentina have got four points and two points, respectively, yes. from two matches. And Venezuela versus Brazil is currently all square which means that Venezuela have two points and Brazil have one as that stands. But of course, that could change. Venezuela beat Brazil during the group stage, though, didn't they? Yeah, 3-1. Yes. Um, we mentioned that last week. Uh, so, the remaining fixtures are Brazil versus Argentina and Paraguay versus Venezuela. Which will be on Sunday at 8 o'clock local time. What are the permutations? Argentina need to beat Brazil, basically. If they beat Brazil, they're in the Olympics. This result doesn't look so good, but Argentina has been conceding a lot of goals, as you have said. Yes. But if you hear Mascherano talking, this looks like Argentina is in the point of being eliminated. Mm. It's well, this is what I've been saying, right? I've not been paying any attention to this uh, mm. to this competition. And as I said a week or two ago, the, the first couple of matches, the fuss that everybody was making, I was looking at the table and expecting to see Argentina bottom of it and already out, and then discovered they were top of the at yeah. the group table and won their opening two matches and I was like hang on <laughs> that doesn't sound that bad it's been a roller coaster, yeah it's been a roller coaster. Um, yeah I don't know how to describe it really like, obviously they've just they've got an embarrassment of talent there mm. like you see the players um, even today without uh, Valentin Barco who was serving a suspension for his red card in the previous match um there's so much ability there, like, they should be, even now, I think, even against Brazil, who, you know, if we're going to talk about Argentina, kind of disappointing a little bit, you can't not talk about Brazil, I think, Brazil, I think, having even scored in the last three matches, or two and a half, as it stands. Hmm. Um, but it's just a fact, like, they never, they haven't seemed to really still come together as a team, like, they're still a little bit dependent on that individual ability from from Amada, flashes, I guess, from Echeverri, some flashes from Solari, uh, hasn't really come off for him, like, as a team, I don't think. Um, but then it doesn't have to, as long as they just get through that last match. Yeah. And then in July or whenever the Olympics is, it's going to be a whole different team, really. Whole yeah, different ball, yeah. Uh, I will defend Brazil's honour a little bit by pointing out that they did score in the 90th minute 
against Venezuela in a 3-1 defeat and that was so they didn't score in their last match and they haven't scored yet in this one yeah. basically and that was a goal for Alexander which I'm sure is exactly how he pronounces it yes um, yes good super Copa Argentina that was the other thing we had to catch up with before we go to listeners questions we mentioned River we have mentioned River they beat Excursionistas de Belgrano mm-hmm. 3-0 and We've mentioned this before because it's happened. River have played Defensores de Belgrano, in fact, in the Copa Argentina, um, which is even closer together. But basically, those three clubs are three of probably the most geographically closest together clubs in the city of Buenos Aires, I think. Yes. In terms of three, like obviously Riestra yep. and San Lorenzo are a little bit closer together. But, I'm not but sure. if, if I would be Riestra, San Lorenzo, and Deportivo Español, I would say it would oh, be yeah, the, good one. the yeah. closest trinity. They are close geographically, but if I am wrong, I think I heard in the, in the broadcast of the match that the, it was 80 years or so that River hasn't played. Yes. Yeah. Excursionistas. And this is exactly why the Copa Argentina is great, right? It's why yes. we were occasionally moaning about it on the very few random pod episodes there were before the Copa Argentina launched and why we were so happy when it did, even though it was originally just a slight scam to get people travelling around the country or run by a travel agency. Um, and we did have a famous Copa Argentina upset last night. Indeed, yes. Uh, so the results, other than Rivers 3-0 went over Escorcialistas, uh, from the Copa Argentina round of 64 so far, I think we discussed, we definitely did discuss it, but Estudiantes uh, de La Plata's 3-0 win over Argentino de Montemayis. We did. Um, and then <laughs> all of these other matches have been played since we recorded. In fact, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Gimnasia beat Centro Español 2-1. That's Gimnasia La Plata. Sorry, I should clarify this, shouldn't I, when we're talking about the Copa. Mm. Uh, we're 2-0 up after 18 minutes. Scored an own goal after 28 minutes, and then there were no other goals to beat Centro Español. Deportivo Riestra beat Comunicaciones 1-0 with a 115-minute yes, penalty. A, a, a goal. That's not in extra time, by the way, for people who don't know how the Copa Argentina works. It's a goal in the 15th minute of stoppage time. So if that's 105th minute, not 115th. But, uh, 105th, from, yes, of course. From Nicolás Benegas. Um, and Belgrano de Córdoba are out of the Copa Argentina. They have fallen 2-1 thanks to a first-half Stoppage time penalty from Nelson Romero and a 60th minute goal from Franco Posse. Uh, You're not going to mention the team? Yes, I am. Ah, two. Mitre. Uh, that's what it was weird, like saying the players before the team, but wasn't sure about that order. I don't know whether Guillermo Farré will resign, but if that is, a, that is a result for a coach to think about it. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, the Copa Argentina, I think one thing that it's lacked so far is that nobody kind of cares about it quite enough to sack their managers over results but I mean yeah it's a really bad result we um, should mention um, it, it's also sorry Dan but it's also coming at the end of or, well not at the end of we don't know whether it's the end it might prove to be of an atrocious run of form for Belgrano all in yeah they, they haven't have been great one two three four five six seven They've lost seven of their last eight games, and the other yeah, was yeah. that 1-1 draw I mentioned uh, against San Lorenzo when they got somebody sent off. Um, that does include two summer friendlies. Mm-hmm. But still, even if you take it back beyond that, they beat Union in November. Prior to that, they'd lost two and drawn one. So uh, five out of six, and then three more. Sorry, two more. Seven out of... Nine. Seven out of yes. nine competitive matches they've lost. Um, it's not great. Dan, it's sorry, not great, so. yes. Um, more on Riestra, because after that heroic last cast win, which came yeah, um, via a rather dubious penalty. I, I didn't see this, but I did see Chris's email to us saying that he wasn't going to be able to make it, saying that it was absolutely criminal. It, yeah. Um, you, got, you know, we all hate VAR, but then... You remember some of the decisions that happened without VAR, and and it gives you pause, I guess. Um, but that's beside the point, um, because after that game, Retra had some more good news. Um, they had sacked their coach after just three games, after a terrible start to the Copa de la Liga, mm. and the new man in the hot seat is none other than Hand of Pod. 
erstwhile favourite. Not her best guy. Christian Elogro Fabiani. Oh, wow. And he will make his... We know he looks good in black and white. He does. And he will be on the bench. His first game comes this weekend against River. Tasty. Very exciting. Nice. It, it, it does mean... Not that... in the Monumental, sadly. It does mean that their interim coach, whose name we never got the chance to say, is no longer going to be in charge. Matias Modolo. Yes. Uh, he was in charge was... last night, so... Yes. That was, one, that was one thing. So I've managed to get to yeah. say it now. Half of his surname is the letter O. Yes. And we should say in Retro Fabina, they've been pretty shit. But um, they did show kind of a new way forward, a new innovation in Argentine football. Uh, during their home defeat against Barracas Central uh, last Saturday or whenever it was, which is the pitch size swimming pool. Because oh, the swimming pool at Rietra's tiny home stadium is like literally 20 feet away from like the pitch side because their stand is so tiny. So just in the middle of the game, you know, it's a sweltering afternoon for that game. Mm. And I'm pretty sure there were more people in the pool just every now and then getting out, peeking over the wall, seeing what ha- was happening in the game, than were actually kind of paying um, spectators in the stands. Nice. And I think more teams need to incorporate this. Like, just you can get rid of a, bit, a few seats if you want. Like, let's have more swimming pools in Argentine stadiums. Yeah, what's the point of having clubs that are social gathering places if you're not going to do that? Absolutely, right? yeah. Or just like, or maybe even if you just. Get a really hot, a real big high dive, mm. so you can watch the game for a while and then take the plunge. Yeah, that would be something. Like, you know, yeah, you stand up there and when it goes to a bar check, that's when you dive because you know you're not going to be seeing anything. And by the time you minutes. get back out, towel off, change, and you're in your car, they might have made their decision. Yeah. Um, over to listeners' questions. I only remembered to tweet that we were recording this episode while one of you two was talking during the first half, so thank you both of you for retweeting it. Um, and the only question, therefore, that we have had is from Dolphins Talk Josh, who says, is Pedro de la Vega going to succeed in MLS if he stays healthy? I mean, he should, but that if he stays healthy is going to be a big one um, because it's dogged him over the last, uh, last few years. Um, I'm going to say yes. I think he's at, a, he's at a good club. He's obviously got all the talent. And I think he's going to be great. Dare I say, the best Argentine in MLS this year. I know whether the injuries stopped him. Because they, they, because of the talent, he could have perhaps desired to go anywhere else. Not not the MLS, but uh, yes, I, I, I agree with we're done. Yeah, That's I mean, as I think I said on another on on an earlier podcast. He's still ridiculously young. He's yeah, like literally he's, just turned twenty three. Yeah, um, he's got time to develop still, hasn't he? Yes. Um, I actually had another question which I decided to save for the podcast. Yes. Is that anything to do with these tweets that you got during the week and that you were looking at more than me? No. Oh, okay. Got gotcha. um, This is from Rob Fitzpatrick. Uh, he who replied to a tweet I put out about Fabiani mm-hmm. um, and Rob says I didn't realise Palermo was gone from Pladense made me think who is the current hard to play against team in the Copa from back fives to high pressing etc any Sean Dyke era Burnley's <laughs> well you've had more time to think about this than we have done so what do you reckon? Oh, I should have done that yeah um <laughs> I think the the kind of short answer is that they're almost all hard to play against. Um, that is the default setting for Argentine. Yeah. Uh, teams. Very few teams kind of gift you anything. I, um, I would argue that, admittedly, this is basically... Tigre, Venice possibly do v- give Venice you a lot. do not look very hard to play against if you no. look at their goals conceded, but that is because they just conceded five goals to River. If you ignore that, then they, they let in two goals in two matches before that. I mean, the easy answer for the last couple of seasons has been San Lorenzo, like under Insua, mm-hmm. they've just been formidable at the back, don't 
don't let you breathe almost. Uh, and also the penalty Bellier area. score. So. And also Bellier score, yeah. The thing is, Bellier has, for example, the other day the, against River had three former River players in their uh, starting lineup, mm. but not the best three River players in the last. I mean, Brian Romero has left, I think, two years ago, not lately, but uh, yeah. Mamana, Elias Gomez, and Brian Romero. I think that you can't do a lot with them. Uh, Elias Gomez and Mamana have played recently for River, and they haven't been precisely good. Mm. I might stick my neck out and say Kilo Gonzalez at Onion. Yeah. As a very kind of premature um, analysis, like. They've been to. They've already gone to Racing. They've gone to San Lorenzo. Come out with clean sheets from from both of those games. Uh, only conceded one so far in three games, while also only scoring one. Um, they're not particularly exciting to watch. Yeah, they, they beat Racing one 0 on the opening week, as yeah. we mentioned. They lost one 0 to Estudiantes, and they drew 0 0 with San Lorenzo. Obviously, I mean that's nil, nil that's a hell of a try to score many goals yourself because San Lorenzo never going to try to do that but yeah if you told any Union fans after what they went through last year you're mm-hmm. going to play you had Racing Estudiantes and San Lorenzo in the first three games you had come out of it with yeah, four points and, no, and one goal conceded yeah. I think they take that every day oh and now they've got Gordon away. well they've got, <laughs> they've got Union at home first Sorry, no, they've got Newells <laughs> Newells at home first is what I meant to say uh, and then yeah oh yeah sorry I'm skipping it Union uh, versus Platense. So oh, now, back to back home games. Platense and Independiente Rivadavia. But Independiente Rivadavia. So now they only have to play the two perfect teams in the league, and yeah. and after that, it should get easier. Yeah. Fair sailing for them. And yeah. for no, that they have been recently promoted, and, and they now they are losing now. But I think that Independiente Rivadavia will be a hard one to beat. Yeah, I mean, they, they started quite brightly, yeah. They're obviously they're going to lose matches at some point. Yes, of course. Um, but, yeah, they, they, from what we've seen of them so far, I think they'll stay up. It's not that they are, uh, like, suffering a lot. In, in yes. Riestra, but Independiente Rivadavia look like they've got enough about them to... But then, yeah. But, again, I'll possibly say that with the exception of maybe River at one end, Vélez at the other, and, you know, the really crap teams, Riestra, Banfield, Tigre... The default setting for most coaches in Argentina is shot back. Yeah. yeah. Which is why there's been so few goals. Indeed it is. Mm. Uh, did you look at this uh, thread that Birdie tweeted at you last week, Tom? I did, yeah. Um, what, what was that about? Can you remember? It was about a... So for, for background, this is the reason I'm asking is that we got this tweeted from our, our listener, Birdie. Uh, who tweeted it in Spanish, but I'll translate quickly into English. I have to know whether Dan Edwards is uh, up to date with at Mantecol and Mulenga. I don't know that one. It's um, a person. Okay. Uh, this could be some material for Hand of Pod. And then he sent, so Dan asked, what's this about? And he sent um, a link to a tweet from Periodis Dan, which is fascinating um, account run by an Argentine guy who is just travelling all over the place really but mostly in mm. Central Asia uh, and has put up a thread about some works that are going on in Zambia and literally all I've looked at is the first thread because Dan said he was going to read it and I thought well okay let's see. I did read it yeah it's about a young Argentine lad called Martin um, who kind of decided on a whim to kind of I guess do some work experience volunteer kind of thing in um, in Zambia mm-hmm. um, got into football there became attached to a club the New Hope Waves um, basically just really got into it um, but I did a lot of fundraising for for the club uh, helped them begin work on on a new stadium um, and all, and also is kind of intermediated um, in the arrival of a young Zambian, um, Molenga. Mm-hmm. David Molenga, um, who has got a trial at Temperley. Uh-huh. And thanks to Martin, you know, he got the trial in the first place and also managed to raise the funds uh, to get to Argentina. 
another important step. Right. Um, and of course, the new stadium will be called the Diego Armando Maradona. So good luck to New Hope Waves, good luck to Martin, and good luck to David Molina. If you're listening somehow, um, let us know how your trial goes, um, and possibly we could get him on the podcast if great. he stays in Argentina. Can um, we let him play for Timberley or? Um, I guess it depends on how well the trial goes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the point of a trial, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Uh, that's going to make it three stadiums named after Diego Maradona. I yes, guess, as far as we know. Napoli and this new one in Zambia. Yeah. Well, um, anything else to, to discuss? Those are all the questions, because as I said, I was late asking for them. So if you've had a question, then, well, you know, sorry this time for... <laughs> for prompting you late but also remember that if you do have a question you can tweet it at us any time during the week and if we didn't cope, uh, cope with it if we didn't deal with it uh, in the previous uh, episode then it will get read out in the next episode and answered there but for now I think I'm going to go straight into Mystic Sound Okay, Central. Sorry, we did this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? There are so many clubs with that word in their name now that we need to actually clarify. But Rosario Central. Um, you can stick your neck out. Moments away from beating Independiente Rivadavia 1 0. Actually, the rest of the ball in this happens there, so I think that although the TV graphics not showing you, I think the game is now over. Um, yes, there we go. Central 1, Independiente Rivadavia 0 is a full time result. Huracan was Independiente kicked off about 12 minutes ago and is currently goalless. Huracan um, already done to 10 men. Promising. Oh, so they are. Thank you, because I was about to predict an Huracan win there. Mm-hmm. But now that I know they're after <laughs> 10 men... That's um, cheating. I'm going to go with a draw for that. Uh, then the other matches that have not started, and indeed won't be played today, they will be played starting tomorrow on Friday. Uh, I'm going for Newells to get... Oh, no, no, I'm going to go for a draw between Union and Newins in San Daphne. I'm going to go for a Racing win over San Lorenzo in the Cilindro. Belles are hosting Gimnasia, and I think that will be a Gimnasia win. I think Argentinos versus Banfield will be a draw. Boca versus Defensa y Justicia, that should be one of the juicier matches of the weekend. Hard to pick as well. Um, I'll go for a Boca win. Belgrano versus Godoy Cruz, I think, is a draw. Central Cordoba versus Sarmiento is also a draw. Riestra versus River. I'm going to stick my neck out and predict an away win in that one. Lanús versus Platense will be a Lanús win, maybe. Barracas Central vs Atlético Tucumán is an Atlético Tucumán win and Instituto vs Tacheres not the Clásico Cordobés because according to the Alpha, the Clásico Cordobés in the actual round of Clásicos um, is going to be Belgrano versus Tacheres uh, but obviously it is a Clásico Cordobés I'm going for a I mean the both doing really well, so it is tricky. Uh, they are one point apart in second and fourth place in Group A at the moment. I'm going to go for a Tacheres win, I think. Gents, any thoughts yeah. on any of those? Any, I mean, as I said, Boca versus Defensivo Ticio looks like what should be a good watch. Racing San Lorenzo. Might not be. May or may not be. But I'll be there, anyway. Instituto versus Tacheres. Is a Central Cordoba match. Central Cordoba match is one to avoid. I don't, I don't remember who they play with, but uh, who sorry? Central Cordoba match. Central Cordoba are playing at home to Sarmiento. Yeah, yeah, avoid. I'm not gonna bother with that one. Um, anyway, that is the preview or the predictions at least for the weekend that's coming up. We will be back with you next week. By which time? The following round will already, of course, have started, or possibly this one will still be going on, depending on what day Thursday is. 
Thursday next week is the 15th. Oh, right, so we have a midweek round, in fact, next week. Do we? Uh, yeah. Oh, so, oh, yeah, of course. By the time we next record, we'll be going towards the end of round five, which I'm not going to predict. Could do, couldn't I? Let's do this really quickly. Oh. Uh, Racing will beat Newells away. San Lorenzo versus Estudiantes will be an Estudiantes win. Godoy Cruz versus Union will be an Union win. Gimnasia will beat Huracán in La Plata. Independiente versus Rosario Central will be a draw. Tigre versus Defensa Justicia will be a Defensa Justicia win. Sarmiento versus Lanús will be a draw. Boca will beat Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero at home. Banfield will beat Barracas. Atlético Tucumán versus River will be a draw. Deportivo Riestra will lose at home to Vélez. No, they won't. They'll draw at home to Vélez Sarsfield. Platense versus Belgrano is a Belgrano win. Independiente Rivadavia will lose at home to Instituto. And Tacheres versus Argentinos will be a Tacheres win. And when we next record, we will be talking over uh, the last three of those matches, probably Platense Belgrano, Independiente Rivadavia, and Instituto versus Tacheres. So, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, look at that. Your neighbours have put the music on really loudly just as Wonderful. we end the episode. That couldn't yeah. be better time. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. And goodbye from English Town. Goodbye. Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And me, thank you, and goodbye. Just the one score to tell you about Huracan and Independiente, as we mentioned at the end, uh, were goalless but quite early on when we finished recording, and it ended goalless. It looks on the stats, because I missed most of the match, like it was very, very one-sided indeed. Uh, Huracan had that early red card that Dan mentioned. They later had another one in the 82nd minute, and then Independiente uh, had a man sent off in the 90th minute. Independiente completely dominated the game, stats-wise at least, but could not find a way through, so it ended nil-nil.